My name is uh, Scott Gossenberger, and uh, I have the privilege of sharing God's Word with you this morning. Uh, thanks, Pastor Ken, for letting me uh, get up here. They, I'm starting a church in Old Town Clovis. They felt like I needed some practice, and so uh, you're the victims of, of what we're going to share today. So uh, uh, today we're in John chapter 16. We're going to actually look at John 16, 16 through 33, um, and... I was thinking about this. I was uh, thinking about a time when I uh, I decided I was going to start riding a bike, not because I had to, but because it was supposed to be fun. And uh, I worked with some people uh, that they were cyclists, and they got me into it. And I got a uh, a bike that was not great, but it you know it got me where I needed to go and. Um, I started cycling with them, and they convinced me to do a century ride. Now, a century ride is 100 miles at one time uh, on a bike. And I, I thought, well, that, I mean, I like the challenge, and I like taking on things that I think uh, are a little challenging. So I decided I was going to do it. And we started doing some training. We'd do like 40, uh, 40 miles on a Saturday, and it was great. And then the day of the century ride came, and uh, we were riding towards Minkler and... Uh, uh, Centerville, and that was all pretty flat, and it was, I'm going, I can do this, and then it made a left-hand turn up towards um, Pine Flat, and then got into the foothills. We started doing a lot of climbing, and it was hard. It was so hard. It was supposed to be fun, and it wasn't feeling like a lot of fun, and I was, uh, I mean, I was feeling the pain in my legs, and then we kept on going, and I, I, I got about 90 miles into this ride, and this was the conversation I was having in my head. You don't have to finish. You don't have, I mean, really, nobody rides 90 miles. You can just stop and call it good. And I, I mean, I kept hearing that it roll around in my head for a long time. And finally, I actually stopped and got off my bike and thought about it for a while. Thought about, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to finish this. I don't have to, I don't have to, there's no point, really. There's no point in finishing, I'm not winning anything. There's no participation trophy. I'm just like, what's the, what's the reason why I would, would complete it? Well, fortunately, the people I was with, they encouraged me to keep going. And so I got back on the bike and made it to, to the very, very end. So glad I finished because the story of finishing the century ride is so much better than quitting. And even though I went 90 miles or whatever, that the story is a whole lot better, right? And my character actually grew as a result of uh, finishing the race. See, that's exactly what Jesus is saying to his disciples. He's saying that there's going to be some challenges, some difficulty, but there's a finish line. And I, just so you know, you probably know this already. If you've lived as long as I have, you know this. There's multiple finish lines in your life. Uh, there's several finish lines in your life, and you just, once you get to the one, there's another one just waiting for you. And let me give you some context. So in this, this portion of scripture that we're looking at today, John chapter 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's saying, he, he's trying to communicate to them that there are some bad things about to happen. There's some really challenging things that, that are going to happen in a few moments. In fact, this is right before Jesus is going to be betrayed. He, he says to them, he tells them that uh, I'm going to leave. This is what he says. He says, I'm leaving and then I'm coming back and then I'm leaving again. 
right? So uh, he said that all, this party that we've had, this experience that we've had together, this is coming to an end. And then he says, and you're going to scatter. You're going to all scatter. That's what it says. Jesus says, you're going to all scatter and you're going to be really disappointed in me and I'm going to be disappointed in you. And it's going to feel like it's the absolute end. But I want you to know, he says, I want you to know it may feel that way, but it's not the end. It's not the finish line. It feels like you're 90 miles in and you, everything just feels like you want to quit and give up and not do anything but... I want you to know that's not the finish line for you. There's a finish line on the other side of that. In fact, if you have your Bibles, um, you can look with me at uh, at the, the last verse of our text. John chapter 16, verse 33. And this is, uh, we're actually skipping to the end. We're skipping to the very end. Uh, I'm giving you the, the conclusion, the end of the story before we get to the end of the story, right? Uh, and I, I kind of like knowing the end. It make, takes all the anxiety out of me. When I know the end, that, I, all the worry and the anxiety sort of dissipates. Uh, I'm a Laker fan. Don't hold that against me if you're not. But I, I, I love the Lakers. It's like uh, I'll watch basketball over any other sport. And uh, I love watching the Lakers. And back when they had VHS tapes, you know, uh, we would record. I would record the game. Because uh, inevitably I couldn't be at the game or even if I or, uh, be watching the game live. So I'd record it. And, and even if I could watch it live, I would oftentimes record it because I didn't like the stress of knowing whether they won or lost. So I would find out whether they won and then I'd watch the game totally stress-free. I mean, I didn't worry. I knew they won, right? I knew they won. It was like fun to watch. Even if they were down by 20 points, I go, they're going to win this game. And so that's what I'm going to share with you today is I'm actually bringing you to the end, to the very end of the story. Uh, in John chapter 16, verse 33, it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Now, he promises, actually in this text, he promises three things. Earlier in uh, verse 22, he promises joy. That when we go through difficulty, on the other side of that, maybe even in the midst of that, there's joy. And then he says, your joy, and this is where he brings us to in verse 33, the joy that you have actually builds in you peace. But then he does this, he gives us this, and I wish he would have left this out. This is the part that I wish Jesus would have just not included. Um, but he said, he says to the disciples, in this world, you will have trouble. So he says, I'm promising you three things. I'm promising you joy. I'm promising you peace. And I'm promising you trouble. I promise you all three of those. Now, all three of those things are going to be true in your life. I like the joy. I like the peace. Don't like the trouble part. And probably you don't either, right? I, I, I wish that Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have joy and peace, and you'll never have a problem so long as you trust me. And unfortunately, that's not what he says. He gives us the reality. See, trouble comes in two basic forms. Uh, there's lots of forms of trouble, but two basic forms. One is trouble that comes from outside of us, right? We live in a broken world. Uh, I didn't take physics in high school. I was not, uh, and for sure didn't take it in college. Uh, I, I was not a math person. My wife, Jackie, she's a math person. I am not. But I understand this about physics, 
there are laws of thermodynamics. The second law of thermodynamics when it comes to physics is what they call entropy. Entropy says this, that everything from the point that it starts moves towards chaos or more disorder over time. And the longer the time lapses, the more disorder and chaos is a part of it. So that, that means this, that, and it's just, it's just explaining the world that we live in. When Adam and Eve sinned, entropy started. That we, uh, the whole world moved more and more closer to chaos. And if you read, so you start at the beginning, Genesis, right? You see where it all started and you get to Revelation and you see it all falls apart. That's, exact, that's exactly what's taking place. The Bible doesn't talk about physics, but it expresses what physics is all about, right? So it says that, that in this life, everything's moving more and more towards chaos in your life. Everything is moving more towards disorder. In this life, you're going to have trouble. That's why there's earthquakes and there's natural disasters. Uh, that's why our bodies break down. See, even if, you, even if you're healed, you have some kind of illness or whatever, and you're healed, that illness or that, that healing is temporary. Eventually, something's going to take you from this life to the next should Jesus not come back. So in this life, you're going to have trouble. Jesus promises that. And trouble sometimes comes from a relationship. People are imperfect. Even Christian people are imperfect. And they make decisions and sometimes do things that bring trouble in our life. If you're married, you will have trouble, right? Just the way of it. I, I wish when I got married that everything was perfect. And I mean, it's as close to perfect as anybody could ever find. But there's trouble in relationship. And then some trouble comes not just from outside. Some trouble comes inside, right? We can have loneliness or despair or depression or discouragement or anger that begins to work its way inside of us. So sometimes the trouble is not outside. Sometimes the trouble is inside of us. And Jesus says, that's just a fact of life. I wish, I wish that there was some kind of something you could say that makes it all go away, right? Like in Jesus' name, and then poof, it's all gone but that's not the way God designed the world. And for good reason, he designed the world so that we would trust in him. And he knows us, he knows me, that if I, I don't experience trouble, I'm likely to trust in Scott Gossenberger. Psalms chapter 56, verse three. King David, this is before he became actually king, but David uh, is writing this Psalm where uh, it's right after Saul is trying to kill him. Now, Saul was the king of Israel, but uh, uh, David was a threat to him. And so he thought, well, I've got a threat here. Here's the way to deal with it. I'm going to kill him. And uh, he threatens to kill him. So David runs to the Philistines, which are the arch enemy of the, of the Jews. And he, he wants to hide uh, among them. They don't trust him. So they think they're going to kill him. And it's in that trouble that David writes Psalms chapter 56. And verse three says this. David writes, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. When I'm filled with anxiety, when I'm worried, I just purposely put my trust in you. So what David was saying is I'm intentionally 
putting myself into your joy and your peace, God, even though everything around me feels like it's not that at all. And I, what I, I wish, probably you do too, if you're, if you're a believer, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you probably wish this too. You wish that you could pray all the time and God would just supernaturally, poof, put peace and joy in your life. And sometimes that happens. I would say it's rare, but sometimes that happens where you pray and just this wave of joy or this wave of peace comes over you in the midst of your trouble. Most of the time though, most of the time it's applying God's word and God's truth and the relationship that we are called to have with him that begins to soak into our lives the joy and the peace that he promises. Uh, years ago, there was an advertisement for how to learn a foreign language. And they said that you could put on these headphones and run this tape, and when you slept, you could learn a foreign language. That's the way I want to learn Spanish. Uh, the problem with that is it didn't work. People bought it, but it didn't work. And so they end up becoming discouraged and the company went out of business and the whole deal. I, I want you to understand as believers that God has a promise of joy and peace, but there are prerequisites most of the time that he leads us through in John chapter 16. He pulls out these prerequisites that begin to build in us joy and peace and replace any discouragement. First is this. The first comes out of verses 21 and 22. Uh, if you have your Bibles, look with me at John chapter 16, verses 21 and 22. Here's the first prerequisite. And they, for me, they all start with D because it's how I, it helps me to remember things better. And so the first, and it's in your notes, in your worship folder, it says this. Just simply, here's a prerequisite. Discover God's plan in the midst of your pain. It, this is a hard truth, by the way. Sometimes God allows pain in order to get us to his plan. I don't like that. I want the plan without the pain, right? Don't you? Here's what Jesus, uh, Jesus says, and it, this is a familiar, even if you've never had children, this is something you can, this illustration certainly identify with. Verse 21 says, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish, like that word, anguish, because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. He's saying that there is a plan in the pain. The pain's coming, right? Pain's coming. I'm going to die on the cross, but he's not so much talking about his own pain. He's talking about the disciples' pain. He's saying, there's going to be pain. You're, you're going to experience pain, but it's just like a mom who experiences pain at childbirth, and then when she delivers the child, she, well, I don't know, is this true, ladies? You forget the anguish, <laughs> And I said, nope, I remember every bit of it. <laughs> but uh, in the moment, right? In the moment, it's like, just get this thing out of me. I don't, need, I don't care. You know, it's a dinosaur right now. I just want it out. Um, but when you get on the other side and you see that child, you go, ah, it was worth it. 
You've heard the term, no pain, no gain, right? And I think that's true. But I would also say, if all we experience is pain without the gain, no one wants that. And Jesus is trying to help his disciples understand that, yeah, there's pain in this life. In this life, you experience trouble, but there's a birth on the other side of that. A birth of God's plan or God's purpose or God's productivity in your life. Sometimes, by the way, sometimes God's purpose is nothing more than you to finish. Had I quit at mile 90, I would not have finished. And you know what? When I got to mile 100, there was no fanfare. No one celebrated me. I got no trophy. No one gave me any money. I just finished. But sometimes God's plan is just for you to finish. Whatever is in front of you. Here's the second prerequisite. And it comes out of verse 23. So the first is to discover God's plan in the pain. The second is to depend on God's God to provide. Verse 23, Jesus says, in that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. In my name, he says. So ask in my name and my father will give you whatever you ask for. You know that um, probably my greatest source and maybe yours of, of trouble is my own anxiety. And you know what causes me anxiety? Maybe it does for you too. It's just not having or being enough. You ever worry about that? Not having enough or being enough? I think for me, the being enough is a bigger deal than the having enough. I, I sometimes worry that I don't have enough skill to do what's in front of me. I don't have enough time to accomplish what's in front of me. I, I don't have enough finances or enough relationship or enough, right? That I'm not enough or I don't have enough. That causes all kinds of anxiety. And Jesus was highlighting that for the disciples. He's saying, you're going to feel I'm going to be gone because I've been your enough. Jesus was there enough for a long period of time. These were just, these were uneducated fishermen. They couldn't change the world, much less change their own lives. And Jesus says, I've been your enough for three years. I've been your enough. They, how many times were they hungry and Jesus take a few loaves and fishes, which were not enough and made them enough. When they needed to pay a tax, Jesus found a fish that had a coin in his mouth. And so that was there enough. And how many times were they fearful that they would be hurt or harmed or rejected? And Jesus just resolved it all. And he was there enough. How many times? We don't, we don't get stories of it, right? We don't read about it, but certainly it must've happened where one of the disciples woke up and they were sick. I mean, really sick. I can't go any further. And how many times do you think Jesus laid his hand on them and healed them and was there enough? My anxiety, probably yours too, comes from just feeling I'm not enough. But Jesus says, I want you to know, I'm going to go. And when I go, I want you to pray. He says, in my name. Now that phrase is important. It's not just using the name Jesus as some kind of magical word that we throw out there. We throw out the word Jesus and poof, things happen. 
not what he's saying. He's saying in my name is praying as if I am right there agreeing with you. In other words, you ask as if I'm right there in your presence. The way you do now when I'm present with you is the way you're to pray when I'm no longer present with you. That you pray as if my essence was right there with you. Now that's power. So he's saying, he said, first of all, you know, I want you to discover my plan in the midst of pain. I want you to, I want you to depend on me. And the third thing he asks us to do to get to the joy and the peace that he promises is to decide to believe. Decide to believe. Verse 31. Says this. Uh, the disciples were, he had just told them, I'm leaving. You're going to scatter. It's going to be hard. And he said it plainly, right? And so they go, oh, now we believe because you, you stopped speaking in, you know, code. And instead you're talking in plain language that we can understand. And they said, so now we believe. And Jesus responds to them and says, do you now believe? Jesus replies. So he's saying, you do believe. You've decided to believe. I'm, I'm going uh, I'm to help you understand something. Um, faith is a choice. Faith doesn't accidentally happen to you. It doesn't just fall on you. Faith is a choice. You choose to believe. Talk with somebody recently who uh, they've watched some YouTube videos and they said that they just, they decided that the sun and the moon are the exact same size and they're only 3000 miles away. Sometimes in Fresno, it feels like that, right? Um, <laughs> And I said, how can you believe that? I mean, there's nothing scientifically. Well, I believe he decided to believe that. He just decided. I've decided, this is an old song, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning. I've decided. It's a decision. My faith is a decision. I've decided to follow Christ. And just so you, uh, just so we understand what I'm, I think I'm trying to talk about and what Jesus is saying. He's not talking about belief. He's not talking about just believing that something's true. Faith is not just believing something's true. Faith is applying what is true. That's faith. Faith is saying, this is true, therefore I'm going to apply it to my life. There's a difference between believers and followers, and God's called us to be followers of him. And here's the fourth prerequisite comes out of verse 33, which we read already, but let me read it again because I think it's powerful. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. See, we defeat. We defeat the world's influence by surrendering your heart to Jesus. When he says take heart, he's saying take your heart and put it in Jesus. It's an intentional choice that we have. We're all gonna surrender to something, right? That's just the way of, that's the way of this, this world. We're all gonna surrender. And Jesus is saying, don't surrender to the pain. Don't surrender to the trouble. Surrender to me. Take heart. Put your heart with me, and I will take care of you. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment?